One of my grandsons came back a moment ago to see me. He's young. And he said, uh, Daddy Bill, he calls me Daddy Bill. He said, you're not going to talk very long, are you? I said, no. He said, well, are you going to be loud? I said, not as loud as I've already heard out here. But I'll be a little loud. I heard about a man, I heard about a man that was speaking and he had spoken far too long and the man behind him picked up a gavel and threw it and missed him and hit a man sitting on the front row. And the man on the front row said, hit me again, I can still hear him. <laughs> some of you may feel that way about me. You know, there's a rock group called U2. And listen to the words of one of their songs. I try to be like you. Try to feel like you do. But without you, it's no use. I can't see what you see. When I look at the world, tell me, tell me, what do you see? Tell me, tell me, what's wrong with me? Everyone seems to be searching today for something. They're trying to find peace and happiness, and many times it's in the wrong place. There's a man in the Bible who was the richest man, the sexiest man, and the most powerful man of his generation. I'll tell you about him. His name was Solomon. And he decided that he was going to try to find every pleasure there is, drink all the whiskey he could drink, build all the buildings he could build, and build a mighty military force and control much of the Middle East, which he did. But at the end of it all, he said, I haven't found satisfaction in any of this. It's like a bubble that burst. He said, vanity of vanities. He had it all, but he said, it's not worth it. He was a man of tremendous knowledge. He had several PhDs, I'm sure. He probably had gone to the University of Louisville. The Bible says that Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the East, and he had greater wisdom than all the people of Egypt. You know, you can't come to God with your mind alone. The Bible says, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of unbelievers. There's another power in the world. There's God, there's the devil. And the devil is working on you all the time, too. And so you find a conflict within you. All of us do. I do. And in the futility of their thinking, they're darkened in their understanding. The message of the cross of Jesus Christ, and know, you know what a cross looks like. It's a symbol of what Jesus did on the cross many years ago for you, because he loved you. The Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. But of Jesus Christ, the scripture says, in whom are all hidden, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge of the whole world. He is it. He's the one person that the world is looking for to settle our problems. Uh, Solomon, in his quest for happiness and satisfaction, he gave himself to pleasure. In Ecclesiastes 2.1 it says, 
I thought in my heart I'll test with pleasure to find out what is good. He tried wine, women, and song. You know how many wives he had? 700. You know how many mistresses he had? 300. But he said he had all of that, but he said that didn't satisfy. That's not what I was looking for. It's something else. He ate the best food, drank the finest wines, but none of that satisfied him. He said, I denied myself nothing that my heart desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Any pleasure there was, I had it. But he said, everything is meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. And there are people today who literally live for pleasure. The problem that living for pleasure is it's so short-lived. Suppose you do get a little. It's like the waiting line for a couple hours at Six Flags for a dollar coaster ride that lasts maybe two or three minutes. Many people live their lives like that. They can hardly wait until the weekend to go out drinking and partying. Yet the pleasures they do experience are short-lived at best. But know this, payday is coming. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. Now how in the world did we get in the mess that we're in? Because we were born to be perfect and God had put us, human race, in a place called the Garden of Eden. It had everything to make you happy and well and live forever. He never meant that people would ever die. But one day the devil came and there is a devil and he tempted man. He tempted man to disbelieve God and man believed the devil instead of God. And immediately, catastrophically, within a minute, man and God were separated. And every generation that's ever been is separated from God. And that means that we're all sinners. We've broken God's laws. And we don't have anything within us to keep his laws. We break them and we try to reform and we make promises, but we can't keep them. We promise our parents, we promise our churches, or our schools, and we can't. Maybe our ball team. Solomon was also the richest man in the history, I suppose, of the world. His country house in Lebanon was one of the finest homes in the history of the world. Hundreds of servants pandered to his every whim. Now, Kentucky is known for horses. You know how many, you know how many horses Solomon had? 40,000. And he had to have all kinds of people to keep those horses the way they should be. Do you know what his daily grocery bill was? It included a hundred sheep, ten fat oxen, and the list goes on. That's all in the Bible. Now, if you, you think a man should be happy, he ought to be. With all these servants and all this food and all this wine and all these women. But one night he sat on the top of his house in Lebanon. And he had indigestion. And he said, oh, he said, it's not worth it. I've tried it all. It's not worth it. It won't fill the emptiness of my heart. The Bible says, Jesus said, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And it's in that same chapter that the Bible says, a greater than Solomon is here. 
Solomon was looked on as the richest, the wisest, everything. But then a greater than Solomon came, and that greater than Solomon is Jesus Christ. He came. The Bible says, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might become rich. Jesus came down from heaven, left the palaces of heaven to come here to save you and save me. Why? Man was destined to spend eternity separated from God. And that's called hell. And we deserved it. But Jesus said, I'll take their punishment. I'll take whatever God has, I'll take it for them. So they took him out on a cross. They put nails in his hands. They put a spike through his feet. They pulled his beard till his face bled. They spit on him. They laughed at him. They mocked him. Finally, they hung him between heaven and earth. And he stayed there for hours, suffering. Why? Because he had to? No. He had no sin. He was doing it because of you. He could see you right now. Hundreds of years in advance. He had the capacity because he was the God. Solomon also had great power. Some people would rather have power than riches. He had power. He had a navy and a military force that nobody dared attack. He thought that all these things would bring him peace. But it didn't. Then he tried religion. Yeah, he became religious. Today I spent a good part of the morning talking to Muhammad Ali. And he and I both were sitting there with the same type of disease, Parkinson's disease. And he was talking about his faith, and I was talking about mine. We both have tried religion. Solomon had built a beautiful temple called one of the great wonders of the world. Almost everywhere around the world, people are searching for religion. But religion can destroy you. Religion without a personal encounter with Jesus Christ is harmful to you. Solomon, in his quest for happiness and satisfaction, he gave himself to pleasure. In Ecclesiastes 2.1 it says, I thought in my heart I'll test with pleasure to find out what is good. He tried wine, women, and song. And there are people today who literally live for pleasure. The problem that living for pleasure is it's so short-lived. Suppose you do get a little. It's like the waiting line for a couple hours at Six Flags for a dollar coaster ride that lasts maybe two or three minutes. Many people live their lives like that. They can hardly wait until the weekend to go out drinking and partying. Yet the pleasures they do experience are short-lived at best. But know this, payday is coming. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. Now how in the world did we get in the mess that we're in? Because we were born to be perfect and God had put us, human race, in a place called the Garden of Eden. It had everything to make you happy and well and live forever. He never meant that people would ever die. But one day the devil came and there is a devil. And he tempted man. 
He tempted man to disbelieve God. And man believed the devil instead of God. And immediately, catastrophically, within a minute, man and God were separated. And every generation that's ever been is separated from God. And that means that we're all sinners. We've broken God's laws. And we don't have anything within us to keep his laws. We break them and we try to reform and we make promises, but we can't keep them. We promise our parents, we promise our churches or our schools, and we can't. Maybe our ball team. Solomon was also the richest man in the history, I suppose, of the world. His country house in Lebanon was one of the finest homes in the history of the world. Hundreds of servants pandered to his every whim. Now, Kentucky is known for horses. You know how many, you know how many horses Solomon had? 40,000. And he had to have all kinds of people to keep those horses the way they should be. Do you know what his daily grocery bill was? It included 100 sheep, 10 fat oxen, and the list goes on. That's all in the Bible. Now, if you, you think a man should be happy, he ought to be. With all these servants and all this food and all this wine and all these women. But one night he sat on the top of his house in Lebanon. And he had indigestion. And he said, oh, he said, it's not worth it. I've tried it all. It's not worth it. It won't fill the emptiness of my heart. The Bible says, Jesus said, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And it's in that same chapter that the Bible says, a greater than Solomon is here. Solomon was looked on as the richest, the wisest, everything. But then a greater than Solomon came, and that greater than Solomon is Jesus Christ. He came. The Bible says, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might become rich. Jesus came down from heaven, left the palaces of heaven to come here to save you and save me. Why? Man was destined to spend eternity separated from God, and that's called hell. And we deserved it. But Jesus said, I'll take their punishment. I'll take whatever God has, I'll take it for them. So they took him out on a cross. They put nails in his hands. They put a spike through his feet. They pulled his beard till his face bled. They spit on him. They laughed at him. They mocked him. Finally, they hung him between heaven and earth. And he stayed there for hours suffering. Why? Because he had to? No. He had no sin. He was doing it because of you. He could see you right now, hundreds of years in advance. He had the capacity because he was the God. <laughs> Solomon also had great power. Some people would rather have power than riches. He had power. He had a navy and a military force that nobody dared attack. He thought that all these things would bring him peace, but it didn't. Then he tried religion. Yeah, he became religious. Today I spent a good part of the morning talking to Muhammad Ali. 
And he and I both were sitting there with the same type of disease, Parkinson's disease. And he was talking about his faith, and I was talking about mine. We both have tried religion. Solomon had built a beautiful temple called one of the great wonders of the world. Almost everywhere around the world, people are searching for religion. But religion can destroy you. Religion without a personal encounter with Jesus Christ is harmful to you. Religion can become an opiate. It can be like a vaccination. You can get a vaccination and you may get a little bit of the disease that you're being vaccinated for and that's what keeps you from getting the real thing. I've had a lot of those vaccinations when I've toured the world. And I'd get sick, but that sickness was not as strong as the real thing. It kept me from getting the real disease. And that's what religion will do. You can be baptized, you can go to church, go to Sunday school, that's all fine, but that's not all that God wants you to do. He wants you to come to the cross and acknowledge that you have sinned against him and ask him to forgive you and let him come into your heart and let the Holy Spirit control your life and direct you from this moment on in a few minutes. I'm going to ask all of you throughout this stadium to make a witness for Christ by coming forward. This group here will go one direction and you will come another and make your commitment. The greatest inoculation against the gospel is the gospel heard but not heeded. You've heard the gospel. You know about God's love. And Solomon came to this conclusion. He said, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Solomon's experience led him back to God. And talking about himself, Jesus said, a greater than Solomon is here. And Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He is total truth. He's the life. He's the way. Come by Jesus. Oh yeah, you may be a member of the church. You might have been baptized, so forth. But you need to make a commitment to Jesus tonight. Like the man I told about the other night, he was on that airplane that the Chinese shot down over Hainan Island. And as they were going down, the American crew thought they were going to crash. And one of the pilots on that plane said, I'd already received Jesus back at my hometown, but I wanted to be sure and make it doubly sure. So I received him there in those few seconds that we had to think. What about you? Would you like to make it sure and certain? I'm going to ask every one of you to do something. Everybody in this stadium, this may be the last time that you may ever have like this. When will we ever have a moment like this? When we're, so many people have prayed, so many people have worked and believed, and you have been prayed for and loved, and maybe some of you have been brought here tonight 
I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat, hundreds of you. Open your heart to Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. He will forgive you. And then you're willing to change your way of life. You get up from all over the stadium. You get up and come, hundreds of you, thousands of you. Come and stand here on the turf somewhere and make this commitment to Christ. Why do I ask you to come? Jesus died publicly for you. Certainly you can come publicly to receive him.